Hello everyone, welcome to the April edition of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. Uh, I'm Kev. As ever, I've got with me Tony Murray, the chair of the Trust, and James Cunliffe, the Luton journalist. Um, You're reading that for a bit of paper. Yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've got a script for this <laughs> How one. How long have we been doing I, this? I'm, I'm well and truly prepared now. Pressure, so, uh, Pressure. We're okay. Before we start, chats, I just want to thank everybody for all the reaction that they've sent in to us, all the feedback from the last three podcasts that we've done. Um particularly the one uh, with Mick Harford last week. It seems that everyone enjoyed that one. Does, um, do you think that's got anything to do with James not being there? Well, you know, I wouldn't like to say such a, uh, such hey, a thing. I produced it. I made you two sound good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be fair, I'm sure James will point out that the one that you was in here for earlier in the season also went down equally do, do, as well. The do, 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 do ratings were very low for that one. <laughs> uh, so thanks to everyone for sending in your feedback. We do look at all of that and we take it all on board. Um, so continue... Um, doing that please chaps how are we good thanks Kip. bordering on brilliant yeah absolutely and so are the football team uh, funnily <laughs> enough so um, we're going to cover well this amazing football team that we've got in a short while but first of all it'd be wrong of us not to look back at the uh, Newlands Park planning decision and the approval that was given we did do a short podcast on the night where I think all three of us were slightly emotional and probably not making an awful lot of sense but <laughs> you might be able to make a little bit more sense of the situation now um james what what a fantastic decision what a fantastic night what a fantastic time to be a lutonian luton fan and everything that goes with it yeah i mean as everything we'd all been you know we've talked about this for so long especially on this podcast in fact we started talking about it in the first one we ever did didn't we and that was nearly two years ago it might even be two years ago so, yeah, it's been a long time coming, all the delays, all the obfuscation, should we say, from you-know-who, London Shopkeepers Cartel. And, uh, yeah, we finally got it in the end. I mean, it was it, it was a similar scenario to what happened with Power Court in the sense that the people representing 2020, Gary Sweet and Sean McGrath and Michael Moran, were outstanding in what they said. They've clearly put forward one hell of an application that people the, the, the people on the um on the board there it's not the right word is it the councillors they appreciated that and they that came through what was different about this time obviously is we thought it was going to be a bit more of a fight and that cnr would send their goons down and they didn't they they wrote a letter a ridiculous letter which actually the woman yeah. didn't even really want to read out but no. she, would, she, would, she just had to do it didn't she oh, just go back and listen to it if I were you if you want something to laugh at because the facts and fallacies that they were coming out with were ridiculous and I think most we're now most of us here around this table most people that were listening to this are now well versed enough that they could probably disprove what they were saying but to be able to actually vocalize it in such an eloquent way as michael moran did on that night was exceptional and it was very uh very pleasing very enjoyable to listen to because he just ripped them apart um and they got a decision and then so it's what we wanted i mean we're not we're not 100 there yet obviously um but you know things are a lot rosier than than they have been yeah, as James um, intimated there, Tony, uh, the Secretary of State's got until April the 9th to give a, a give his decision, his approval or, or otherwise. 
but there seems to be no immediate sort of feeling that anything's going to change in that regard. Obviously, we, we're recording this on Monday, April Fool's Day. I had to get you two <laughs> together on that particular day. Um, so it's eight days from, from when it's we're recording. It don't count after midday, is that what it, I heard? It, it doesn't, yeah, you're okay, right, so which is good good. because Tony's awful April Fool earlier on uh, <laughs> didn't go down. Well, I, it was actually uh, <laughs> done on me first, <laughs> to be fair. I was only passing it on. <laughs> uh, so we've got you eight days. you explain it now, isn't yeah. it? Go on then. Um, just an April Fool today, somebody put out that um, there, there was a story going around that Nathan Jones wanted to come back to Luton. I bet he does after the results his mob have been getting. But then uh, he probably looks at his bank balance and things like that. Nah. Thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll stick to scoring goals. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, so we've got eight days before the Secretary of State has to give his decision. He may well do it earlier than that, uh, who knows. But you'd be confident that nothing really will come of that Tony um, I'm confident we'll get a stadium in the end um, but in the modern world nothing surprises me um, I'm hoping that the Secretary of State will see sense I'm um, hoping all he sees is Brexit that's yeah, a Brexit yeah. Brexit it takes but, his life the ball you know the, 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 it, it, we, as James said, it just said with Brexit I mean um this government must be desperate for some sort of good news and uh, the developments at Newlands Park and Power Court are nothing but good news but the whole thing was absolutely brilliant from start to finish it was an emotional night and uh, I was into the early hours of the yeah, morning I, 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 was, I, was, I was totally drained after that and I, I can only echo, echo James's sentiments um, Mike Moran was absolutely amazing I think Capital Regional scored a big own goal in not turning up. I mean, they apparently they'd done a risk assessment and felt it wasn't safe for them to turn up. And and I, I just can't believe... Is this like their you know, surveys uh, of Lutonians exactly, and they've done before you know, and never showed any evidence of? I, I, I just sort of like... What, it sounds what, like they were speaking to Nathan James, but it's not safe for him on. to come to Bedfordshire yeah, either, apparently. What's wrong with so. Bedfordshire? You know, and... and the one thing over the last two two years, it, it, it's been very irritating and annoying, and in some cases infuriating their tactics and what they've done. But they've also given us a a bit of a laugh. Certainly given me a bit of a laugh because um, I wrote an email to their CEO Lawrence Hutchins, and his reply absolutely uh, gave me a real chuckle and then his parting sentence was um, that they'll continue to fight for the good of our town mm-hmm. you know which well you haven't done a very good job of it so far have you look at the state of it and what they've allowed you to bring that along so, next you, time you know, make I think a special. I read it out you know it, but I'm still waiting for, for some sort of response from them and, and they can't uh, decide to go for a JR until um, we have the decision from the Secretary of State, then they've got six weeks to do it. And you know full well that if they're going to do anything, it will be, you know, uh, 11 hours, 59 minutes, you know, on the last day. That's when they'll do it, because it, it, it's all about delaying it for them. But that's not to detract from 
you know, the, the, the fantastic decision taken by Luton Borough Council. Yes, it was a little bit disappointing that one councillor voted against it. Um, and, and the elections was, are coming uh, up uh, now. There was, so. another, uh, uh, there was another abstention. Steve, um, Stephen Lewis from Limbury, he objected against it. And exactly. Gilbert Campbell, uh, the Conservative from Birmingham, he abstained again. He abstained in the power court. So mm-hmm. if you don't fancy, uh, if you don't like what they did, there's a vote. Uh, yeah, there's, yeah, there's elections yeah, coming right. up soon. You know, and, and considering that, when you think about it, that um, Catholic, you know, the I think it's the chairman of Catholic Regional who actually donates to the Tory party. Maybe there's a bit of underhand shenanigans going on there, allegedly. You know, um, but no, all in all, it, it, it is good news for us. Um, it, you know, it certainly gave me a lift and, and made life a little easier. And I'm hoping that over the coming months, um, we won't have to. Um, you know, put on our suits of armour again and go into battle. But you never know, being a Luton fan. They're always on standby, aren't they? That's, yes, they that's are. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be reporting on progress at the two sites as opposed to anything else. But James, I know it wasn't their intention, but actually all they've succeeded in doing over the last probably three years, really, um, is galvanise Lutonians and make them come together as one. And Lutonians are a strong force when that's the case. And, and they found it out in no uncertain terms, really. I've never known anything quite like it uh, in all the years I've. I mean, I, I I wasn't. I'm not a born Lutonian. I moved here when I was four, so it pretty much counts. But I got smuggled across the Hertfordshire border. If you can remember <laughs> what you, you're yeah. still an outsider, James. Yeah, if yeah, you can remember outside, what you were doing before you were four, you're a better man than me. Exactly. But I've never known positivity in uh, the town like it has been for the last year, and. There's there's lots of factors where it's not just this. There's lots of things that happen. I'm involved in a lot of things that are quite positive as well. Um, so it's been a combination of things. But the football, if you take the what's happening on the pitch and what's happening off the pitch, everything is coming together so well. You can't fault anything at the moment. Everything's positive, and that's unusual for football fans. It's unusual for Luton as a town because we've been beaten. The, uh, you know, ran uh, knuckles wrapped all the time for things that aren't really our fault. Um, outside influences and things like well, that, and I, they're still trying to do it. But now we're saying no. We, we, you know, we've put a stop to that. Now we're, we're taking control of our own destiny, and and this is where it starts. So it's yeah, it's so positive. It's it, it's a really I, good time. I've got another campaign going forward, James, and I think you'll agree with me on this. Um, I I think you know. If they don't go for a JR or and the Secretary of State doesn't call it in, it isn't the end for me. Um, because I, I, I'm I'm not a vindictive person, but I think it's time for a bit of payback. I, I want Capital Regional out of our town. Mm. And I think a lot of Lutonians do now as well. I think they've blown it totally in this town. Mm. You know, uh, their their credibility is uh, you know, less than ground zero. Mm. Um, and I won't be happy until somebody else is running that shopping centre. Yeah, well, I mean, well, they're not making a very good fist of it at the moment, are they? There's MS is going if it hasn't gone already. The the, the post office has moved to very small accommodation in WH Smith. Mm. Debenhams is probably going to go. Um, I can't. I mean, I did. I went in there briefly because, like, at the weekend, I cut across to get to the other side of town, and there was nothing there. 
to make you think, oh, I'll stay here for the day. And well, that's I, kind of the thing, isn't it? That's the reason. I've also heard that James Cameron and uh, Rob Ballard are putting together another expedition to the Titanic looking for CNR share price. <laughs> <laughs> Archaeologists can't find them underground. Uh, that's the show. Actually, me and you went looking for sweets, didn't we? And halfway through the council meeting and we couldn't find nowhere in the, in the mouth to, to get any. It's just a ridiculous um, shopping centre these if days. If you could get in it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we yeah, had, I mean, it was sharp. We were looking around the out, out, we, outside. We had to end up. There was um, nothing there. Just at a newsagent's on the corner there, didn't we? And um, it, it was daft. Yeah, I mean, I think we all echo Tony's sentiments that we want them out of town. But um, you know, just what a, what a fantastic day that was in in actually a really good spell of, of to be a Lutonian what with everything that's going on in the town currently I don't know I don't know about you being in that meeting though and and listening to Gary and Mike and, and Sean it made me immensely proud well maybe you know, yeah, what you know. they said and how they spoke I thought Mike was great Sean was great but Gary was fantastic maybe it was yeah. a concession from CNI that they're not going to beat those three you know they saw them in action for the power court meeting Unfortunately, I think they've got their fingers in their ears and going blah, blah, blah the whole time because if they really did listen to Gary they've Sweet and what he was saying... have got their fingers in something, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> but if they really did listen to Gary Sweet or paid any attention to what the club... If you just look at the club, what the club are doing, what 20 or 20 have done for the community... They, I mean, he made the point in both meetings that this is not just about football and this is not just um, them coming in to try and make a quick buck. They're here for the town and they're... Nobody else has come along and done it, particularly CNR. They haven't done it. No, they had the chance. And so Luton have seen an opportunity. They've bought this land. They've spent all their own money with no promise of a return. Millions and millions of pounds. And that can't be underestimated from the, um, the, the commitment that the directors of 2020 have put in. And it can't be talked about enough, in my opinion. Because there are so many football clubs where the fans are furious with their owners. And Luton is one of them, it used to be. There's been many times where the owners have just not done the right thing. I think when, when you talk about legends at the club, it, it, it's players you talk about. And maybe one or two managers. But I think the, the custodians 2020, they, they've got to go down as Luton legends. Mm. And all of them as well. I achieved. mean, I mean yeah. maybe people don't know all their names, but that, they should be spoken at about because they've all put that effort and time in commitment financially they've gone through the heartbreak of 10 years or eight years of of really tough times the last two years have been really fantastic you know mm-hmm. and hopefully they they reap the benefits of getting these developments through they'll also reap the benefits of a team in the championship where we all think loon at least deserve to be at bare minimum um so yeah just it was it was really great the, the 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 game after the decision when people turned around in the 20th minute actually it was about the 18th because people started in the Oak Road and they couldn't see the scoreboard but that you know it doesn't matter everybody got involved and everybody turned around and that was perfect and yeah. we nearly scored at the end of that minute yeah. as well which yeah. would have just been absolutely I mean, it, fantastic it, it, it's it, it's brilliant it, it's we keep saying it, it's fantastic time to be a Luton fan. But also, um, on that night, what was nice as well, I, I can remember going into the White House and this guy came up you to You didn't us. do it right if you can remember going in there. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 was, I, I only had a couple of beers that night. I didn't go overboard. I did. Um, you know, I've got to get off work in the morning. I'm very conscientious. Uh, but um, 
this guy came over and he, he was a northerner and he said oh Luton fan yeah he said I've heard congratulations and he said I'm a Bradford fan he was working in Luton and it was quite funny because we were playing Bradford the following night and uh, we were chatting to him and he was asked well uh, who's in here drinking and we were saying all people from 2020 so who's that over there that's our chief executive who's that that's our chairman and he what they're really drinking with the fact we'd never get that in my my club he said you know this is what makes our club special mm. you know you look at it you know it wasn't when, just when that we, night either. They're, yeah. they're regularly in the pubs or bars oh, and yeah, away days and things when, like that. So. You know, when when um, when we uh, away, you, re- you regularly get a WhatsApp from Gary uh, saying, "Oh, what pub are we drinking in, guys?" Mm. You know, what other club would that happen? And then he was on the, that train back that you were on, where you all met Johnny Vegas. Oh, that, that, that was great. Yeah, that was a great, that that was really great. Was Gary was making me laugh because uh, at one point he was sitting next to my brother. And um, my brother was kept right, and, he, and Gary got away. He said, "God Almighty!" He said, "I never thought I'd get away from your brother. He was boring the tits off me." <laughs> <laughs> he was. He, he, he was really We made a point that he was. You know, cause you've got to rip it out of your brother. Isn't <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Actually, James, one of the things that stuck with me from that night uh, at the uh, town hall was what it means to Gary Sweet in particular. Me and you recorded an interview with him mm. outside the White House a couple of hours after the um, after the verdict, when we gave him time to. Um, get his senses and, and his thoughts together and it, he was really emotional in that wasn't he it was a really deep sort of interview that he gave us and you just kind of knew then just what everything's all meant meant to him and it, it was good to kind of see it on videos yeah it's well worth a watch actually that's on your social media channels isn't it and, and on your website and um it was it was it was sort of that un, unguarded you know, for, you know, all the things we're saying about Gary, it's, sometimes he has to be a bit guarded about what he has to say because it's football business stuff. But this was, this felt very personal, emotional, um, and it was a really good listen because it was just, it was going into what it meant, you know, to his family being Lutonian, him being Lutonian, like fourth generation or something like that, wasn't it? Probably more, actually, because his, um, his relative was a mayor at the time of the Peace Day riots, wasn't he? And the, and the funny thing about that was, is, as well, was a connection there with Kev Catlin. Mm. Because I think one of his, his his grandfather or great-grandfather, was one of the ringleaders of the people that actually burned down the town hall. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just a, a little bit of history there for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's those sorts of things you don't usually see. Um, but that's what the whole process has has brought out in a lot of people really and it it does help to galvanize bring people closer brings the club together i've never known i've never known the club like this i mean i mean i don't go back as far as you guys but uh the, the you know the positivity around around the around the games around you know, obviously results helps but uh i think even if even if they hadn't been going on this 27 game unbeaten run does what people are starting to realise what what the people in charge of their football club are are doing, and for once, it's all good, all of it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, just an emotional um, few nights, really. It was um, surrounding that Newlands Park uh, decision, and uh, hopefully, the Secretary of State uh, sees likewise. Uh, you've both mentioned this twenty-seven game unbeaten run that we're on, so let's concentrate on the football now. But let's try and do it justice. I don't actually think we can because I think it's just an incredible run. But the only way that I can kind of 
make it out to be as incredible as it is really is we've only been behind twice in these 27 games you know as in only been losing a game of football twice in 27 games mm-hmm. bearing in mind that this is our first of uh, first season in this division and if you put it into actual numbers into actual context we haven't been behind in the football league since January the 12th it's April the 1st today we're coming up to three months since we were behind in a game of football mm. it's an incredible statistic and when you consider one of those games as well Walsall we were actually 2-0 behind yeah you know it, it, it's you know you run out of um, words to describe it but it's absolutely incredible mm. you know and I I look at it I, I mean I'm not a great one for fate or anything like that but after everything we've been through with the points deduction and uh, spending so long in the conference uh, and, and, and the battles and the fights to, to get through that and to, and to get it, it to me it's an evening up of the scales yeah it, it, that's what it is and you know and the fact that everything's coming together at the same time and it looks like you know uh, 2020 are going to achieve their goal we're going to be in the championship by 2020 okay we won't be in the new ground for 2020 but it's on the horizon and it's coming so I think it's brilliant I mean James we can't kind of say that a 27 game unbeaten runs unprecedented because it's the second time we've done it in five years but this one's more um, attractive and kind of takes more records because of the fact that it's two divisions above the conference because of the fact that we're going up against Barnsley we're going up against Sunderland we're going up against Portsmouth all Premier League sides in the not too distant past and also because the football that we're watching is just an absolute joy to sit back and watch no need to yeah. moan about it just sit there just watch it and just enjoy it yeah you've got to add to that as well the fact that you've lost your manager halfway through the season as well yeah. which uh, that, you know the wheels could have fallen off and they didn't they've got if anything they've turned a bit faster um, but yeah I think I made the point in the last podcast just enjoy what's happening now because this may never ever happen again it's phenomenal what's happening I mean they could be really good in the championship they they could somehow go up but it'll be they will they will they ever have a 27 game unbeaten run like this they've gone from the clock's going back to the clock's going forward and they've not lost a game <laughs> I mean, that's, it's, it's unreal, isn't it? All these, unreal. all these stats that we, we keep looking at just blow your mind. And the the one you you talked about not going behind for only going behind twice in that time. It's down to that incredible defence. That's the bedrock of everything, and it probably, I mean, fans sing about Matty Pearson, and they all desperately want Sonny Bradley to score a goal, and he's been a wonderful captain since. Uh, Glenn Ray went out of the team but perhaps they don't really get the credit they deserve because everything starts with that and that stat proves it because you 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 find it hard to score against Luton and then when they've got the firepower that they've got everywhere else and it is everywhere else because the two fellas either side of Pearson and Bradley they're making so many things happen and they're defenders it starts it starts there Um, yeah I mean, you are you do run out of superlatives to go on about this. So I just re- I just really hope that they break it at the weekend um, because they deserve to. It's, it's such an incredible achievement. It's it is far better than the conference, even if by some unbelievable 
miracle they don't manage to lift the trophy in this division, it would still be better than the conference. Because, like you said, all those teams that they, all the teams now that they've had to get past and, and beat, and and there's Luton in the conference were their team. They had the biggest budget. They had, they were expected to do all that stuff, and all it needed was to get the right man in to do the job. And John still did it, and he got out, and it it, it just needed to be done. We, if you remember back when we started this podcast at the start of this season. We were like, oh, we're quite hopeful. Some of us went, yeah, we could could get in the playoffs. I was like, I might be happy with mid-table. Tony even said, I think, if they finish like two points above the drop zone, I wouldn't mind that. But <laughs> it surpassed all of our expectations time and time again. And, and, yeah, and that's the beauty of it is, is it's so unexpected. I mean, with the conference, as you were saying, realistically looking back on it now, you think it was only a matter of time before we did it. Okay, we should have done it before we actually did it but it needed somebody like John Still but coming at the start of this season you know you come into a new division and you're like mm, you know hopefully we'll do well or we'll just but to just blow it away like they have done and, that, and that's the only phrase I can think of they have blown the opposition away mm. you know and half the time I think these teams are beaten before they go out onto the pitch well I mean the incredible thing about the season really is we gave them a month's head start yeah, and James Conner's in score for nine games. No, and we've st- and we've still gone past them. I mean, you mentioned the um, the defence there, James. Let's just run through the five games that we've seen since uh, the last time we did a podcast, and they began with two clean sheets, actually. And really, it's a sign of how good this side are that they can go to Plymouth, draw nil nil in a game that they dominated, and Matt Macy of all people turned into David De Gea for the afternoon and denied us um, when he couldn't. Well, when he didn't look like he. Could save anything when he was here. A stretched version of David. Mm. A couple of years ago, yeah. And then, you know, following on from that, after doing the long journey to Plymouth, they then went and done the long journey to Bradford on the most horrendous night of conditions. I mean, you suffered at Coventry earlier in the season where we got payback that night because we got everything in our faces. And, and you know, the, we went 1 0 up with some scintillating football, another lovely goal. And then the second half, the kitchen sink got thrown at us. But to a man, the players defended manfully and you could see in all the videos that Stuart and the boys down at the club put on their social media feeds just what it meant to people like Sonny Bradley, Alan Sheehan and a couple of other players and you knew, you kind of felt that night was the night because Barnsley and Sunderland played each other that night you kind of knew that that was the night that yeah, we've we've done this now. We've just got to finish the job off, sort of thing. Very similar to the Cambridge game. Very in, much in, so. in the conference. Very similar. Yeah, I think it was almost five years to the day as well, wasn't it? I would make the case that one nil away is the best result ever. The best scoreline. It's like going away and shutting them out, scoring one, nicking it. But that's it's so that, that's, important, so vital. That's the great thing about this team. Yes, you're looking at them, and they they have blown teams away. They've played them off the park. But when we need to, we can dig in and we can win ugly. Mm. You know, um, and we're we're hard to beat. Well, we're we're, we're very very hard to beat. Uh, we should also mention actually uh, James Shea in this. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, he, he doesn't does, he doesn't have a lot to do because his defence <laughs> is so good. I mean, but he's kept twenty one clean sheets this season. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's phenomenal. That's right. I mean, when he was called upon against both Plymouth and Bradford, and like you say, it wasn't very often. But when and sometimes that's harder as a goalkeeper, isn't it? When you're mm. when you're making regular saves, you know what's coming. But when they're infrequent, and he kept his concentration well, particularly at Bradford, the wind was swirling. It was a, hor- a horrible night. Um, so credit to him. Uh, we followed on with actually probably 
one of the better sides that come to Kenilworth Road this season. Maybe not on paper, but certainly in the performance that they put in in Gillingham, mm. uh, who left with a two-two draw. I mean, their equalising second equalising goal oh, was, was some kick. strike that was. I mean, yeah. that wouldn't have been out of place if it was George Moncur on the other end of it. It was. <laughs> I, I called that as well because he'd been putting in some phenomenal crosses all game, um, really dangerous stuff, which shows again how good the Lewin defence were because if. Uh, I mean, the crossing for Luton has been fantastic anyway, but if there were more of that, Collins would gobble them up all day long. I thought Eves had a great game for them as well. He put himself about, and, and he deserved his equaliser, mm. you know. But you could say, how much of that was a, a reaction to the, the two games where we were on the road for those immense distances? Yeah, because we, we did look a bit jaded in that. I thought we did look a bit leggy, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, you know, credit to Gillingham. I'm not massive particularly massive fans of Gillingham but you know they came down they played some decent enough football and I think we can all agree they deserve to go away with their point yeah and then the best team in the league came down chaps Matty Blair Matty Blair Matty Blair <laughs> um quite what on earth <laughs> what on earth possessed him to come out with that nonsense I've absolutely no idea but they got told in no uncertain terms and shown on the football pitch just who the best team in league one was is by a long way I mean I mean, it was 4-0 the game. But if that had run into double figures, there could have been no arguments because Luton were as amazing as I've seen them, I mm. think, over the course of the 90 I, minutes. I, we, we all talked about the first half against Portsmouth in the last um, podcast last month. was one of the best 45 minutes I've ever seen. Um, but then the tables turned in the second half and it was a bit nervous. It was a great result in the end. Moncler scored the winner, obviously. But the one up against Doncaster was so dominant and so... It was 90 minutes of it. More goals for Luton, obviously. A clean sheet. They didn't have a sniff. Matty Blair got his nose rubbed in it <laughs> plenty of times. That, that, that picture that Gareth Owen took of him doing when he was doing the backflip yeah. and he got Blair in it as well. I thought, oh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But the, the thing that... Looking back on that game, that summed it up for me the whole of Doncaster's performance was that chance that Marquis got in the first couple of minutes when he virtually just back passed it to, to, to Shay. That summed it up for me. And my, my, when I read Blair's comments about on their day, they're the best team in, in League One, I thought, you obviously haven't seen us on our day, Matty, because... Doncaster on their day and us on our day if it would blow you away and that's what we did to them on Saturday yeah he's certainly seen I, us on our day now I really dislike those sorts of football cliches of on our day because yeah. yeah on your day anyone could be it but the fact of the matter is if your form's terrible you're not playing so well what does that mean it means nothing some some total of sod all really it's like if you if you, I, I understand why he might say it it's like to try and give his own team some confidence maybe him some confidence it could be a bit of psychology to try and get that back up because they weren't doing as well as they should have and perhaps as well as they probably hoped but there's so much of it in football and, and on our days one of the up there is the pinnacle of absolute nonsense football cliche I'm, I'm actually hoping that the two Yorkshire clubs will come up I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that Barnsley will get second place because they deserve it as long as we win the championship but um, also through the playoffs, I hope Donny do it because it, for personal reasons, they're two games that I'm going to, you know, up there. But um, for one, 
I'm not overly keen on Portsmouth, but the other thing with Sunderland, I think it would be absolutely brilliant if they went through the whole season only losing two games but still failing to get promotion. I, it, I will find that so funny. <laughs> certainly, help well, I don't tra- mean any disrespect <laughs> to Mick Arthur with that. It would certainly help with travelling if uh, Sunderland didn't get promoted. That mm. is um, for sure. One other game, chaps. Uh, I know neither of you could make it on Saturday, um, but. Th- uh, 2-1 win at Bristol Rovers which probably actually determined everything about this side you know we were fluent in the first half we were far 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 too good for an informed Bristol Rovers side I know the best team in the league could beat them in midweek but um, you know they were in decent nick but they couldn't live with us in the first half we just switched off at, on half time and let them score but that says to how far we've come Kev because you know yourself years gone by you, you'd put money on us losing at Bristol Rovers don't think we'd ever won there in the league, had we? I think not the closest, memor- not on the memorial. No, that's right. I think but, the closest um, we'd got was when Blackwell was in charge, and near enough, every man was sent off, and we still came out with a draw, didn't we? But, um, but you, uh, even when they pulled it back before half time, you know, because although I couldn't go to the game, my ear was glued mm. to the, to Pitsy's commentary. But um, I like two one going in the second half. I still feel really confident here and we're not, they're not going to break through. Same with me. when it, I mean, yeah. like you, I was, I was having to watch it from afar, but when they scored, I thought... Firstly, I was thinking, keep it at that because I've, I've predicted that score <laughs> uh, and I've got it right again, so that's good. But um, it, there's none of that... There's, n- there's none of that nervousness anymore around a team pegging one back or even corners or stuff like that. Mm. I, look, I don't think they've even conceded at a corner this season. They're that good at, at giving you confidence that you're going to get what you need, really. And if they, like we said, we talked about the, the clean sheet. Where if they can shut you out, what's the? How many times have Luton not scored this this season? Three or four? Yeah, if that, yeah. Um, they're going to score against you, I and that's why you know one nil will do sometimes. I actually think League One's fascinating this season. I mean, when you look at it, what is it, 12 teams that can get relegated? Yeah. Well, there's us, Just there's Barnsley, and then pretty much everyone else is in a relegation battle, aren't they? It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous, Sorry. isn't it? <laughs> 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 that's, that's, that's how it is. Um, just one thing to pick up on in that Bristol Rovers game: the shinny Stacy Collins axis worked yet again. I mean, yeah. it's just incredible yeah. that trio. It's just that thing that um, there was a famous quote. I can't. You'll probably be able to remember it. I can't remember who said it, but you, it might even be a boxing quote. You know what they're going to do. You just can't stop them doing it. Mm. And that move that happened so many times, and is a really massive contribution to why. Collins has scored so many goals because finally somebody, the team, Mick Harford maybe, they've realised what is James Collins good at? He's good at scoring goals if you give, it, give him the service. Give it in the box, he'll score a goal. Far too many times in his early Hatters days he was trying to run the channels and he, he didn't got the pace for that for stars and he put decent crosses into where he was supposed to be. Yeah, uh, but now he's in there all the time, and yeah. I, that and I think I've said this before. Though, I think Mick Harper's got to take a lot of credit for that because I'm sure he said that to him. Well, funny enough, off, we had that conversation with Mick on Thursday about didn't we? Steve Howard, right, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. Uh, that's March covered. Just before, can, can I can I just say before we, we quickly move on, Kev? I was going to say how refreshing it was to see the comments from um, McCann and from Coughlin 
you know, complimentary to us. I mean, I, I thought Graham Coughlin, you know, he, his comments when he came out, he said he was so proud of his players, the effort puts in. And I think that was great because I think that was a compliment to us as well, that he praised his players like that. You know, and his comments calling us champions-elect and everything else. And, you know, I thought that was fantastic to see. You know, certainly made a difference from the comments from people like Coleman and Ainsworth and Absolutely. Uh, just before we do move on, um, sad news reached us uh, during the month of March that Fraser Franks has had to retire mm. due to a heart problem. And it's only right that we recognise um, his contribution to this turnaround. He was part of that defence in that 27-game unbeaten run in the conference, um, very much one of the heroes of that season. Obviously, he left us after that to go off to Stevenage and then to Newport where uh, his career came to an end. But, you know, uh, a good man. Uh, someone that we both met at awards nights and, and things like that. Nice guy. Very nice chap. I have to say, it's a nice gesture that Newport have done as well yeah. with, the, with the shirt that they're doing. So I, I think, you know, all hatters, you know, everywhere will wish Fraser Franks the best of luck. And we echo that and sort of thank him for the part that he played uh, in the turnaround. I have to say, I think you're probably going to see this, or we're probably going to see this a lot more now because this is the same thing that happened to Liam Barnett. I mean, the, I don't know if it's exactly the same medical complication, but they've the, the the medical screening and everything that the players get now, even down in League Two, clearly, is so good that it's going to pick up these things, and it's good that it's going to prevent any sort of Fabrice Muamba situations again. But I think you're going to find a lot more players are going to have to call it quits earlier because mm-hmm. the medical advice is that is that good, and that's good for their lives. Um, but yeah, it's just something you're probably going to have to get a bit more used to. Absolutely. Okay, um, let's move on. Uh, player focus time, chaps. So let's go back to that Doncaster game because one man, well, no, that's wrong. Probably five or six men stood out in that game. But one man who probably had his best game for Luton in that game was Kazenga Luar Luar. Came in for James Collins, obviously. James Collins was on international duty, played alongside Danny Hilton, set up the first goal scored the third goal and was a menace throughout the game I mean it's just a sign of how good this squad is that he's not a guaranteed starter regardless of people's views on whether he should be or he shouldn't be he he currently isn't but what a performance then and what an impact he's made since certainly since Mick came in yeah I mean he should be in my opinion he should be because he frightens the hell out of people he's got electric pace the ball stick to his boot he's got a good shot and I want to see more backflips <laughs> yeah, that, that was brilliant, right? He's just made of elastic, isn't yeah, he? Yeah. I mean, the way he turns He's plays. so powerful as well, though, isn't he? He mm. just, you know... He, and I've, I've, what I've really turns. noticed is every ball he puts in the box has a, some meaning to it, mm. you know? He, he doesn't just hopefully whip it in or anything like in, on the ho- in the hope that a striker's where it's going to go. It, it, there's always a meaning. He's, he's also very aware of what goes on around him, you know, hence the the, the back heel to to Pelle, who side footed it into the net. You know, he, he he's not just all about trickery and and running past defenders. He's aware of what's going on and and some of the through balls he puts through. You, you're right, Kev. What you say, every every pass has got meaning with him. It's 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 bananas that Luton got him on a free. It really yeah. is. I mean, why why was no one looking at him? It is just an absolute coup that Luton managed to sign. And now we've Waller. kind of got to make sure that we keep him, really. Well, yeah, because he's re- he's tailor-made for the championship. We know he's done it before. Um, quite why quite why somebody let him go is beyond me. But uh, I think 
I want to see him on the on the pitch every time. When when I got the team sheet for that game and he was on there, that was my first remark. It's like great because Engelawala was back because well, he's exciting, isn't he? He makes things happen. Oh, yeah, he's one of these players that'll have you on the edge of your seat. You know, and, and um, exactly right. He makes things happen around him. You know, they don't know how to defend against him. What they do, they can't seem to stop him. The only way they can is by fouling him. And it's the scenario around pace again, because we've spoken before about how when Cornick was in the side and firing before he got injured, um, that would make teams sit back. And then that gives the space for the likes of Andrew Shinney. Maybe they could do that anyway because he doesn't, you know, doesn't need any space to do that, Andrew Shinney. But that's why this run's been put together because they will hurt you so many different ways. And when you don't have that pace, I think it's a little bit harder. Obviously, they've still gone on a 27-game unbeaten run, but um, it just adds such another dimension, as well as the full-backs bombing on. Uh, I just want to see it in every game. Well, I mean, it was interesting, wasn't it? You know, when we were going down to Bristol on Saturday, you know, would it be Collins and Hilton? At the time, Hilton's injury wasn't sort of I remember public Mick knowledge. Did, when we, before we did the podcast with Mick, we were talking about injury and he alluded to somebody being yeah. injured, but he wouldn't tell us who it was. That's right. Obviously, so, it was yeah. it was Danny, but, you know, people were like, oh, how can Kazengalua get in the side with those two? And, OK, as, as luck would have it, I suppose... Um, you know, Danny's injury meant that that selection headache was sort of quashed, really. But, you know, everyone was, like you say, everyone was excited when they saw his name on the team sheet. And, and again, in the first half, he was he was very good. In the game before, actually, I, um, like you said, there were six or seven good players in there. And for me, Danny Hilton was one of them. I think he was getting back to the... the I Danny thought that Hilton. was his best performance yeah. for probably yeah. of the season. He's been so stop-start and we know the reasons why, suspensions, injuries. Mm. I think um, I think Danny would be the first one to admit it's not been the best season for him. No, no, but Which he, is amazing considering the, the season that the, the team have had. Yeah, but he was he was bang on it in that game and mm. um, it's a shame again that he's got injured, hasn't he? So it's like, we're, we're, maybe we'll have to build when, that up when, when you think about it and you, and you think from an opposition point of view, if you're a defender playing against us, and then you've got Collins. And when we've said this before, you've got Collins and, and Hilton playing. And then you look and you see players warming up and you see Harry Cornick or you see Loire Loire and you're thinking, mm. <laughs> oh, could you imagine Cummins, Monk, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, the fact that Cummins hasn't got a lot of game time. Yeah. I mean, I think he's been sensational when he has played. It just it just shows you. I mean, I mean, we'd obviously go back to his parent club, but if they don't want him... It's a no-brainer for me to get him, even though he hasn't played that many that much football. Yeah, there, there is uh, there's certainly some um, attacking depth. The other good thing about uh, Kazenga Lawalua is he's got a, a wonderfully nitty little chant as well. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's very popular among Luton fans, and I must admit, I quite like it myself. Yeah, it's uh, very, very good, and let's hope that that gets sung uh, for the last six games. I'm sure it will. Talking about like the, the positivity around Luton, the, the songs are a big part of that because there were so few in the champ- in the conference uh, years. It it was such a slog, really. But the last calendar year, at least, maybe a year and a half, that's all come back to the fore now. And I love it. Mm. The, the songs are brilliant. And yeah. keep, you know, whoever's invented them, keep keep them coming. And the players seem to love them, don't they? I mean, you know, Shinny and Cornick were singing along to their one. Uh, the best reaction, I think, was Harry yeah. Cornick. 
<laughs> at Christmas when they were singing Last Christmas. Yeah. You know, and he, he was joining in when he could see him on the bench. He was, uh, yeah, fantastic, like James says. It's, it's, uh, just that, it's just that sense that the old Luton's coming back in every single way, and that's... I certainly think since the turn of the year that's very much been the case. You know, all pre- beforehand, all the songs centred around Nathan Jones, really, didn't they? And obviously he's gone, and that's very much to the players' um, credit in terms of chance and things. Um, well, one man we speak an awful lot about on this podcast because he makes us, because we have to, because he's such an influential player on our team, Pelly Ruddock and Panzu, who played his 200th game. Um, for Luton Town at Bristol Rovers only 25 years old but he's the only uh, remaining member of that conference winning side so he's now gone 27 games unbeaten twice some people don't some teams don't have never done that he's done it twice so fair play to him Tony I'm going to ask you just straight out question is he a Luton Town club legend not yet but he will be if we get promoted uh, you can't take that away from the guy. Two hundred games at that that age, and he, he's made the transition with us. You know, um, and in a long way, he's still got a lot to learn. But I think uh, Pelly would do us proud in in, in the championship. Um, you can't fault the guy for effort. Mate, you know, he makes the odd mistake here and there, but who doesn't? You know, you know I, 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 even Shinny gives the ball away. You know, McCormack's done it as well, but. Everybody seems to get on Pelly's back. Well, maybe it's because the expectation with Pelly is is higher. But I I think he's done us done us proud at the time he's been with us, and and he's a he's a good guy. Oh, he's he a absolutely good guy. Is. he's a great guy to have in the in, in, in the dressing room, as, as Mick was saying to us. He, he's um, I I think he's a real character, Pelly, and and I think supporters don't give him the credit that's due you've only got to hear opposition fans when they talk about Pelly just how good he is you know, they'd all have him in their team and the amount of championship clubs um, that have been chasing him funnily yeah. enough a uh, quick story um, when myself and Tony were down at the training ground prior to um, recording the uh, podcast with Mick Harford last week uh, the press um, guys had got Pelly uh, in yeah. there because uh, it was ahead of his 200th game and they were chatting to Pelly and he was giving all these funny answers and you could tell he was uh, a real character then, much to the annoyance of those that were trying to get decent, sensible quotes out of him. But uh, it was wonderful. James, same question to you. Club legend? Yes, next question. <laughs> Fair, enough. Fair enough. I mean, what what I like about Pelly, when you look at him and you reflect on him over the five years, sorry, five seasons that he's been with us, he actually came here and made his debut at Staines in the FA Trophy as a centre-back. Mm-hmm. Uh, admittedly that was the only time he's played centre-back because you know once you'd seen him play you just knew he was perfect for the midfield he's too good for that yeah, he's too good for far, that position far too good but he's also played he's filled in at right back when we've had problems there now he plays to the side of the diamond but currently he's filling in at the base of the diamond whilst McCormack's out you know he's played further forward as a winger I can remember a game at Mansfield when we had Paddy McCourt one side and uh, him another side I think the only position he hasn't played for the club is goalkeeper and I'm mm. sure if you gave him a pair of gloves he'd give that a damn good go as well he's mm. you know not many players can do that no for me he's a legend because uh, at the end of the season I mean he's a legend now I think at the end of the season he will be three times promoted with Luton he'd be the only person ever to be promoted three times with Luton yeah exactly um, 200 appearances he's only 25 He's been in two teams that have gone 27 games unbeaten. Uh, 
he's played every single minute bar what five? Fifteen. Was it fifteen? Fifteen. When he got substituted. I think everyone fell off their seats when yeah when his number went up, didn't they? I mm. couldn't believe it. Um, he runs for fun, clearly because he's played he's played all those games. He's played every single game, and he, he's he's got so much pace and power. And I think uh, I make Tony right that he has got a bit more to learn, which is actually frightening because you know he could be a bit more composed in front of goal, although he's poked a few in recently. <laughs> um, but he said, didn't he, about that uh, goal where he just trickled it in from twenty yards that everyone expects him to be blazing. I'm doing squad. air quotes with my fingers now, which people can't <laughs> see. He's a podcast, yeah, but blazing squads. <laughs> but um, yeah, the the fact that he's relied upon so much and can play all those different positions um, speaks volumes for me. I think he's matured a lot as well, because if you remember when he when he first came into the team and he was there if somebody fouled him he used to react now he doesn't he just gets up and gets on with it and in fact it's great he, he, he is like a breath of fresh air because he plays the game with a smile on his face and you can see the pure joy when he scores as well mm. and they're all special goals well the club did a video of his best yeah. moments didn't they over the weekend and you know the goals in the conference you know the one against Hereford where he burst into the box you know the one against Dartford, which, oh, yeah. you know, was a huge, huge night that was. To turn that round, you know, that that was brilliant. And a couple of... Uh, the, he's, up, he's, up, he's up for the goal yeah. of the year with that. With but even, that. even his goal against Doncaster was absolutely brilliant. Well, you could so argue thought, that that was the best of them, well, couldn't you? But like you say, right just, in the just right passed place it into the, into where, the where, net. You know, that was sort of very reminiscent of Brian Steen, that finish. Well, you know, that, that, shows, that shows maturity and the fact that he's now talking about everybody expecting him to smack it. And clearly, when he was doing that, he was he was blazing him over the bar. But he's he's he's. Well, one, I didn't see a shot on there. It, it took everyone by surprise. I think, mm. apart from him, obviously he saw a space and passed it in the net. So, mm. one of my favourites that Pelly scored was the goal at Wimbledon earlier this season. The volley into the back of the net because when he celebrated, because he hadn't scored for a, a while, but his celebration was great. But then again, that's a classic example of the move down the wing, wasn't it? The ball over the pelly, bang! It's in the back of the net, and normally you'd expect Collins there. And the thing you can you always say about he always wants the ball as well, you know, yeah. and never shirk the ball. And you know, okay, I'm sure it's easy to get the ball when you're 27 unbeaten. You you all want the ball, but there are times that he's been here that we've not been going so well. But you know, even in those you know those failed seasons in inverted commas, he always wanted the ball. He never shirked the responsibility. Okay, he wasn't always like you say perfect with it but you should never criticise someone for always wanting the ball no, no but he does get criticised I'm not I, don't I really think a lot of it's very unfair though, I James. don't really I don't know where it comes from or what it's about um, the last time I could legitimately criticise Penny was in the um, playoff semi-final against Blackpool at home where he started fanning about with it in the middle of the park because he thought Luton had done enough and I just went to him don't do that and then obviously what happened happened But is that a football and technical term? fanning about absolutely <laughs> <laughs> that's the opposite scale to your uh, on but our he, day he's, he's learned from it though yeah, he's learnt from it, and I think it's great when you see him and he's got the ball at his feet and he's running at defences. They hate it and he terrifies them. Generally, in life, disappointments fire you on to make sure you don't do it again, and you know that kind of thing. Maybe that lives with him that has given him that hunger and is that fire in his belly to make sure that he's not gonna. That's not gonna happen. He's gonna 
kick on and we and as a club we're going to kick on well he was always talked about as a player with potential but i think he's fulfilling it now and that is the tricky thing because you could be a you can be potential and then you're ravel morrison playing in sweden or wherever he plays now but he's doing it now and he's gone up he will go up three divisions by the end of the season not not in one season obviously you know what i'm talking about with luton he's gone up three times he's been instrumental in in what they do and yeah i i I don't see that he will have any trouble fitting in in the championship because it it is such a powerful, quick division. It, that's why teams like Leeds and stuff were looking at him because he can do that. Mm. Very much a uh, club legend then, or if not quite yet, certainly well on his way to uh, stamping his name uh, in that sort of echelon. Uh, another man who's been vital for us this season who we regularly talk about and um, I saw a tweet from you on Saturday James that you wanted to talk about him again quite rightly so James Collins um, came back from Ireland duty uh, I sadly didn't get on the pitch for Ireland but I'm sure that will come uh, came back and scored yet again that's his 21st goal of the season two more than anyone in League One uh, 41st goal in just 88 appearances and as you echoed earlier um, he didn't score for a, a month this year don't know what he was doing then but obviously mm. uh, you know he was just saving them for giving everyone a head start yeah saving yeah. them for the second part of the season um, before we talk about him in uh, more detail just um I'm going to give you a little challenge. Describe James Collins in three words. <laughs> you could have teed me up for this before. I, was so I said, I, I, I'm not going to be able to do it, am I? I? But let me say this. I said on Twitter that I'm going to need to like investigate a thesaurus to talk about James Collins because all the good words have been chosen and used about him, and they have. Uh, so three words. Really fucking important <laughs> do you know I'm thinking of really hard work I <laughs> they'll do they'll absolutely do so let's talk about him in more detail then I mean what a striker mm. you know um, he just scores goals for fun yeah but the one at the weekend like I said shows what Luton have done to accommodate his abilities and that has happened so many times and you've got to give Stacey a lot of credit as well. He's laid on so many goals for James Collins this season. That one at the weekend was on a plate. But he knows where to be now. It, and it's that thing that Luton know what they're doing. The opposition probably know what they're doing, but they can't stop Luton doing it. I, I think it, watching him is amazing. The, the amount of ground he covers... And you know, in the rare occasions when we're defending, <laughs> the uh, you know nine times out of ten, oh, well, I'm not it's exaggeration, but a lot of the time it's Collins that's clearing the ball mm. from the danger area, and then ten seconds later you'll see him up the other end on the end of a of a chance or creating yeah. something, and it's it's absolutely fantastic to see. I can only yeah. think that him spending a week with Republic of Ireland. A has given him a personal sort of winter-spring break because he didn't actually have to play a game, but he would have learnt a lot from that experience. Yeah. So, um, And he's come back and he's slotted straight back in. Because well, I, I think probably now he, he, he's had that break away, it'll probably fire him up to think, right, OK, um, I've got to keep going, I've got to do better, and the next time I, we have a, an international call-up, I'll be on the pitch. 
Well, you, I would expect him to be a regular once he gets in the championship, to be yes. honest. Anyway, uh, they, they're sort of testing him out now, aren't they, against the likes of Gibraltar. Um, they obviously didn't play, but I think uh, the Republic of Ireland has traditionally drawn so many players from um, the he, second division. The he championship. will score goals for them. Yeah. He yeah. will score goals for them. If, if they just look at what Luton do for him, because... If you give him the service in the box, he will score. And, and it's incredible when you think before this season had started, there were supporters questioning whether he could make the step up. Mm. Great, isn't it? But we've now got a potential, another potential international on our books. Yeah. And he, he's, he's fulfilled the target he set himself. He wanted to get 20 because he didn't do it last season. So he's done that. He's got no... I'm sure he actually has put pressure on his shoulders because he's that sort of intense sort of fellow when he plays. Lovely bloke off it, but when he plays, he is. Um, but to all intents and purposes, he, it, that, the, the, the main pressure that he would have put on himself to get those 20 goals is done now and he can just enjoy the, the remainder of the season. He's done a team with 27 games unbeaten, seven points clear at the top, absolutely cruising to the title. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing now. I this team could take their foot off the gas but they won't because of what happened last season because they were the best team in that They've division they were they just weren't the most consistent it's a, a Doncaster conundrum isn't it but how, how nice would it be to win the title at Accrington oh yeah <laughs> wouldn't it yeah as long as Accrington remember when a substitute comes on and the crowd goes who that's a legitimate football chant and not a racist one uh, there, won't, there won't be that many of them there to, to, to shout out. They'll be watching it on their televisions yeah. when they... Yeah, mm. absolutely. Um, that's our thoughts on Collins, Pelly. Uh, I threw the uh, question out there on Twitter earlier on and we get we got um, plenty of reaction. I'll just go through a few tweets and a um, few messages on Facebook now. Um, Toby Ryman Tub uh, at the Toblerone 24 on Twitter he says anyone who makes 200 appearances for Luton has to go down as a legend you don't play that many games without ability talent hard work and loyalty which is rare and on James Collins uh, proven goal scorer improving this is um, Toby knows what he's talking about (laughs) absolutely Dave, uh, at LTFC Dave, um, Pelly is a modern day legend in my opinion. Three words to describe Colo, Stacey crosses goal. <laughs> yeah, he did better <laughs> nice, than me, didn't he? Nice one. He's had a ch- chance to write that down now. You, you just completely sideswiped me with that one. Uh, at Rumo on Twitter, three promotions in five years for Pelly would be incredible. He's always been class. He's now just more consistent than he was. Yeah. Uh, on Colo, tenacious nuisance goal scorer. Yep. I also actually asked for people's player of the season, which uh, we're going to come on to ourselves shortly. And uh, uh, we've got player of the season, Stacey, closely followed by Pearson, Bradley, Collins and Shinny. Um, John TD Martin on Twitter. The great thing about Pelly is that he just gets on with it. No attitude. He's consistent. Does the average supporter have the in-depth knowledge to really understand how good he is? Uh, I hope he can make the step up to the next level. He's not a legend yet. But I hope he will be. Come on, he is. <laughs> what does he have to do? <laughs> uh, Justin Palmer. He even, on... <laughs> he even does the music. You know, to get the boys pumped up. <laughs> Justin Palmer on Twitter. Pelly is definitely a modern day legend. Has played defence, midfield, and up front. He gets through so much work. And on Collins, uh, it's just simply man on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lee Archer. Um, 
Good luck coming up with your player of the season, chaps. I'm sure Colo will win it with a winky face because we all absolutely adore Colo on this podcast. Uh, There are too many to mention who in other seasons would have walked it. I'm struggling to narrow it down personally, but the main contenders on my behalf are Pearson, Bradley and Shinny. And one last one, uh, Paul Wright, Mr. PDW. There are probably seven main contenders for player of the season. Would have been more with Ray and McCormack if they played more. Uh, for him, Shinny first, Stacey second, Bradley third. Chaps, just um, what do you think about those comments while I load up the Facebook ones? Fair enough. Uh, it, uh, it, the, it's the, such a hard choice. The player of the season is... I mean, we're not going we'll to get on it right. To that we're in, not going to get it right. We'll <laughs> come on to that in a second. But those particular um, comments about Pelly, about Colin, I wouldn't disagree yeah. with any of them. No, I think I think I'm glad that people are writing that about Pelly in particular mm-hmm. because I really don't understand why they get on his back so much. I mean, if if he if he is giving the ball, he, he did have a four or five game period when Nathan Jones left, where I thought he was a bit off it. But he's recovered that. Um, if he do, if he is losing the ball, then maybe it's because he's trying to do something with it, you know, and mm. that's to be applauded. He's trying to make things happen. And when, even before um, Luton discovered and, and honed this um, fullback uh, attacking style that they have, when they were starting to realise that they could hurt teams on the counter, he was the man that was always doing it from deep and, and really. Uh, threatening other other opposition teams as it is they've they've all got on board now they can all do it but he can still do that and when he does it it's bums off seats time because what he is now doing is learning how to pick a better pass at the end of it and you saw some of the highlights on that show reel that the, the club put out this week on him I think by the time he's 30 he's going to be some player mm. Yeah, I hope he doesn't lose any pace by that point. But he's, <laughs> Hopefully he's still with he, us. He's learning some more intelligent um, ways to hurt teams now. Anyway, uh, so when he has got the ball, when he's say thirty yards out from goal, and the other team is banking up to try and uh, stifle Lewin, he's one of the players that I think that can pick a pass now. And maybe he's learning from the likes of Shinny, who does that so well. Absolutely. Uh, We'll just round off this section by going through the comments that you've sent in uh, on Facebook. Uh, Peter Gardner, Pelly joins the Luton Town legend list whose name will be on a roll of honour for Luton legends at the new stadium. His player of the season is Jack Stacey and he calls James Collins a workhorse, quite rightly so. Uh, Dale Williams, Pelly is in modern day football a perfect fit for Luton. He is Luton, definitely legend status. Uh, James Collins, a diamond. Player of the season, either the whole team, but if he has to single one out, it would be Andrew Shinney. Uh, Mark Stafferton, Pelly is a legend. Any player who achieves more than three, sorry, more than probable three promotions with any club, especially at just 25 years old, deserves to be considered as such. He has been thoroughly outstanding this season with only a handful of below par performances. In fact, for the first three months of the season, he was our best player, hands down. James Collins, in three words, would be clinical, workhorse, focal point. That's that's four words. That's four words. We're going to let him have that. (laughs) And um, player of the season, uh, it's a difficult one, but out of all of the candidates, Stacey, Justin, Bradley, Pearson, Shinny and Collins. Stacey wins for him. Uh, Derek Barino, a player who wins three promotions in 200 games, has to be classed as a club legend. 
think that's um, fair mm. enough. Yeah. And the last one on Pelly, uh, Joseph Kalaf says, um, Pelly is a legend. He's been outstanding all season. Player who wins three promotions and plays 200 games should be classed as a legend. Yep. Here, here. Yeah. I think, yeah, bang on. I'm glad people are coming right on to that point. Right comments. Absolutely. Thanks for everyone for getting in touch and sending us uh, those comments. Uh, I'll try and um, make that a more regular thing with the podcasts to come. Okay, so people have sent us in um, their player of the season. I, I honestly cannot remember a more difficult season to pick the player of the season, but Tony, I'm a mischievous little devil, so I'm going to ask you to pick your player of the season. This is so hard. There, there's so many contenders. Um, and I want a player. I don't want the team or any of that. No, no, no. I, I like I, when I, we had I, Simon I, on I, here for that, man, for that player of the month that time and he picked out the whole team or Nathan Jones or whatever he picked out. <laughs> well, it definitely won't be Nathan Jones. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, you never thought somebody like Pearson would turn out to be uh, the performer that he is. Um, we all were expecting good things from Sonny Bradley. Um, we knew JJ when he got in the team would step up. We, you know, Shinny has been outstanding. Pelly's been outstanding. Um, James Collins. It, 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 it's so close, but in my mind, for consistency, for the effort, and for the damage he's inflicted on the opposition, it got to be Jack Stacey. For me. I think he's proved himself to certainly be the best fullback in League One, and it, it's just his attitude. It, you know, um, when we did the podcast with Andrew Shinney, he was saying, you know, in the last few minutes of a game, um, he'd be trying to slow it down and run the clock down, and then he'd still see Stacey bombing up the wing, <laughs> give me the ball, give me the ball, you know, and and the fact that he's back defending and then he's up there and he scores important goals himself, the, the goal at Bradford, for example, um, and that move that always seems to work and nobody can stop for me it's got to be Jack Stacey uh, Jack Stacey actually one of the three players and it's actually scandalous that there's only three players in the EFL yeah. team of the season how the hell have Barnsley got four players in there and you tell me you, you said to me earlier Kev and I agree with you if there's a better midfielder in this league than Andrew Shinney we haven't seen him I haven't seen him that is for sure um, Jack Stacey one of the three in the team of this season uh, the opposite flank um, James Justin and of course um, they've obviously listened to this podcast regularly because James Collins is also uh, in the team of the season uh, he had to be really uh, James same question goes over to you player of the season I'm fairly sure I know but go yeah. for it <laughs> I might surprise you actually <laughs> I know we have been singing the praises of James Collins he scored hell of a lot of goals he worked unbelievably hard he defends uh, he's here there and everywhere but I'm not going to go for James Collins hang on if you are surprising me bear in mind <laughs> I'm high up on a seat here I don't want to fall off it uh, no I'm not going to go for James Collins and um, I would also echo the point about how we've already spoke about it in this podcast how incredible the back two are the centre back are Pearson has been phenomenal. Bradley has been a hell of a captain. Obviously, for him to come in, it's his first season, and it means so much for him, like at that Bradford game at the end of it. Um, and you can tell that from the performances because they just throw their body on the line. Pelly, we've just spoken about him, club legend uh, in my eyes, 
no questions asked. He's been phenomenal this season, apart from maybe four games. Well, everybody can have four games off, can't they? Um, nobody's perfect. Ginny has been, uh, for me, the most improved player because he didn't get much of a sniff last season in League Two, but he was always bought for going up the divisions and he's just a linchpin in, in the centre of midfield there. He he picks balls out, through balls out that nobody else is seeing um, and he's great. James Justin deservedly getting in uh, teams of the season all over the shop. Um, I now hope that when Luton go up to the Championship it ends this discussion about will he go anywhere because he's playing in the Championship now with Luton, his hometown team and um, the fans love him. Kazenga uh, Lohara has been a revelation of late. Harry Cornick was wonderful before he got injured. Um, so the, the the people there that have said um, Ray and McCormack. I was going to say Glenn Ray. Yeah, he deserves he, a mention. He was phenomenal until um, he got injured, and obviously McCormack didn't play that whole time. But he came in, and he has really been a galvanising force and part of this 27 game run and when things do get tough he's, he's the man you want in there but I'm afraid I'm going to have to echo Tony uh, and say Jack Stacey is my player of the season and I was sort of deliberating on the drive over here as to who to go for um, and you're going to have to uh, tweet this because I'm going you've to show you you've been making notes no no not me I don't do that sort of thing. <laughs> you're going to have to retweet this because um, I imagine most hatters have seen it tonight but it, it came over um, this evening and just as I popped up I had a quick look on Twitter um, but the EFL put out uh, the full fullbacks under 25 who are the most creative in the EFL and there's one of these graphs where there's a bunch of players all um uh, joined together in the corner uh, so it shows they're all much of a muchness and then far out <laughs> on his own by a country mile with white space in between him and any other player honestly you have to see this it's Jack Stacy. he's that good he has ripped teams apart this season and like I say a, a, a major reason why um, Collins has, has got so many goals because he they do this thing. It's Shinny, Stacey, Collins, goal. And for him to keep picking him out the way he does, his crossings improved, his final balls improved. The last home game where he just <coughs> took it past two players, got to the byline and then cut it back, that should have been an assist. It's so sad for him that it's not an assist because the ball skipped through. But it ended up in a goal because Berry uh, whacked it back in and Hilton got a little touch on the line. He runs for fun. So many teams want. He was, he was out the door in the summer. We need to remember this. He was, he was almost out the door. He, I think he was saying his goodbyes, and then now he's back in. He has not sulked one second because of that situation, and now he's going to find himself in the championship where, like James Justin, he belongs. Two votes for um, Jack Stacey here, and what about you? Well, I feared he was going to ask me that. Actually, to be fair. Um, all season long, I've got to admit, probably up until the last month or so, my player of the season has been Matty Pearson. But just recently, Andrew Shinney's just—he's just shone out for me. Um, 
I, mean, I, I fully take on board everything that you two say about Stacey. I mean, what an amazing player he is, what an amazing player he's been. But Andrew Shinney is just my kind of player. I'm a midfielder sort of man myself. But, I mean, the best thing I can say about the fella is if I chucked 5p on the pitch... He'd put the ball on it. He's so good with his passing range. It's just, in fact, I'm going to test it next I time thought, I'm at the I training ground. You, I thought you were going to make some reference to a Scottish stereotype there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, absolutely not. I mean, it, you know, we've we've mentioned, we've picked up James Collins for international duty a lot on this podcast. I mean, watching Scotland last week, you know, there must be some hidden midfielders that I don't know about that Andrew Shinney can't get in that side because you I, don't, know. I don't I don't want him to get a call up because I don't want him to play for that rabble because it, it might you know knock his confidence <laughs> but you know I mean he's been tremendous all season and uh, when, we, when we spoke to him Tony and did the podcast he was hell bent on making sure that he finished the season off this time because you know he wasn't picked towards the end of last season and you got the feeling that that sort of irked him and it's kind of firing him on this season. I just think the last two, three months in particular, since Nathan Jones left, he's just come on leaps and bounds. You know, you've, you've, you've both mentioned quite rightly so the him, Stacey Collins combo. Well, it starts with him, doesn't it? And um, so much of our good attacking play starts with him. You know, he's a wonderful passer of football. I'm just glad he doesn't score more goals because if he did, there's no way he'd be playing his trade in League Two and League One. We would, we would never have seen someone of his likes. He's a, he's a fantastic footballer. Uh, I've had the pleasure of um, meeting him a few times at the awards night. He was on our table last year. He's a really nice fella. And uh, I like seeing good things come to good people. And uh, yeah, he's, he's my player of the season. I, I just think he's had a great season. It's a good shout. I mean, yeah. it, it, it was between him and Stacey and Collins for me. And Pearson. And Pearson. Oh, all of them. All <laughs> of them. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> uh, <laughs> you've got to give uh, uh, Macca a shout as well. Mm. Because when he's come in, he, uh, he'd taken over from Glenn Wright. He'd been outstanding. Mm. You know, and, and, and you'd swear he was in his 20s. Yeah. You know, the performances he's put in. Um, and he's just unfortunate to pick up that injury. Well, actually, you you both mentioned um, Glenn Ray then. Uh, I should actually mention that he was in with the fans at Bristol Rovers on Saturday, sat a row or so behind me, mingling with everyone, um, you know, li- literally living and breathing it like, like the fans were. And after the game, all the players noticed him when mm. they came around and did their sort of lap of honour and things. And, you know, they all enjoyed seeing him there. He's obviously clearly a popular, popular man within the camp and uh, it'll be great to see him back on the football pitch. Uh, next season that's definitely for, that's absolutely. For sure. I hope um, it's one of those situations where the the regular captain maybe not in the side and a team wins honours it would be a nice gesture I think if he has some part in lifting the trophy when it eventually yeah, comes I'm sure she ends, uh, hopefully next season as well once he's fit and back on another possible call up for the uh, Republic of Ireland as well I think all bets are on as soon as they get to the championship for yeah. international call-ups. And I, that's I really when you, do. You, you might possibly see a shinny being called up by Scotland. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Going to, well, Luton aren't going to be playing those weeks, are they? So mm. um, at least we're not going to be having the Colin situation of a couple of weeks ago. Mm. At Chats, we've had quite a bit of discussion, actually. Um, let's pause for a minute because... Um, well, we've covered a few stats, but there's only one man who can cover the real stats, and that's uh, our resident stato, Simon Pitts, and um, he's back with more for this month. Simon, uh, let's throw it over to you. 
Thanks a lot, Kevin Yesson. Here we are back again. Doesn't time fly when you're enjoying yourself? Well, today it's all about records, records, records. And I don't mean those that highlight that uh, there's no one quite like Grandma by St Winifred School Choir was number one in the charts the last time the Hatters won a league match at Bristol Rovers. Certainly good to put an end to that particular 38-year-old record last weekend. You've no doubt seen the stats that that victory last Saturday equaled a couple of club records. Firstly, the 27-match unbeaten league run, which we discovered covered the whole of Greenwich Mean Time, and also the 13-match unbeaten away run in all competitions. The latter's a record that's only just over a year old, whereas the unbeaten league run dates back to our conference winning season of 2013-14. And looking back on that in those 27 matches, like this season, it was 20 wins and 7 draws. Although back in the conference years, we did score 78 goals compared to the 59 this season and conceded 21 in those 27 games. But this time, we've managed to concede only 14, keeping 16 clean sheets, which is two more than five years ago. As far as the season's points tally concerned, the Hatters currently on 86, which is a football league record for Luton Town at this stage in the season. Back in 2004-05, we were only on 82 points, but took 16 points from the remaining six games of the season to end the season on 98 points when we won League One. In the conference years, we were also on 86 points at this time of the season and finished with five wins and a defeat, meaning we ended the season on 101 points. So that's the target for this year. Manager Mick Harford, uh, albeit on an interim basis, has guided the Hatters to 10 wins and 4 draws in the league since taking over. The Hatters have scored 29 goals, conceded 8 and kept 8 clean sheets in that time. Coincidentally, the 98-point target to, to equal the record in the Football League is also the magic number for Luton to get promotion this season as it stands, with 12 points needed to guarantee championship football in season 1920. The expectations, though, looking at the run-in with ourselves, Barnsley and Sunderland, well, if you allocate the same number of points for the fixture for Luton as Barnsley and Sunderland scored, then Luton would end on eight more points from their remaining six games. Barnsley would get 10 points and Sunderland would get 19, but they still have those nine games remaining. How would that make the league table look? Well, Luton would be topped by two points over Sunderland, who would be three points clear of Barnsley. But uh, plenty still to play for in these remaining six games before that P and or that C is put next to Luton in the league table. Last Saturday, of course, was also a landmark appearance for Pelly Rudder-Kampanzu, who, having joined from the Hammers back in November 2013, made his 200th appearance for the club putting him joint 68th in the all-time appearance table for Luton alongside Scott Oakes. Pelly's debut came back in uh, the sta at Staines in the FA Trophy, a 0-0 draw where there was an attendance of just 621. Pelly went on to make 21 appearances in the conference winning side with two goals during that season. His first came in the 7-0 demolition of Hereford on the 15th of February and his second a cracking strike to level the scores at Dartford on the 1st of April. His 100th appearance of his Luton Town career came on Valentine's Day 2017 in a 3-0 victory over Hartlepool. And just over a year later, it was 150 appearances with a 3-0 win at Yeovil. 
Alongside those conference appearances, Pelly's now featured in 147 Football League matches, 30 times in cup competitions and twice, of course, in playoff matches against Blackpool. He's got 12 goals to his name, including one versus Crew last season that's currently up for the 2018 Goal of the Year award. Whilst this season's been his best return, scoring three times in victories at AFC Wimbledon and Fleetwood and also in the 4-0 win against Doncaster at Kenilworth Road. From those 12 games when Pelly scored, it's an impressive 11 wins and just one draw, that being against Berry back in August 2014. Well, that's just about it from me for this podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the statistics. Congratulations once again to our current longest serving player, Pelly Rudder-Kampanzu, on reaching 200 appearances and two promotions with Luton Town. Here's hoping that record third promotion with the Hatters isn't too far away now. Wonderful um, set of statistics yet again. Um, I don't know how the guy has the time to do them, let alone actually come up with them. It must be manner from heaven for him at the moment. I'm I'm, I'm not altogether that sure that he doesn't just make them up. (laughs) (laughs) But nobody else is checking them up. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so thanks uh, thanks again for that, Simon. Uh, Chaps, we've got six games left. Blackpool at home on Saturday, Charlton away, Accrington away. I'm sure you've all known by now, but just in case you've not heard, that Accrington game has moved from Good Friday to Easter Saturday. It is live on Sky Sports, 5.30 kickoff. If it is the day, then there'll be an awful lot of um, attention around that. Wimbledon at home follows that. That is, uh, in turn has been moved to the Tuesday night from Easter Monday. Burton away, and then we finish at home to uh, Carl Robinson and his Oxford side, if he's still there by then. I'm not going to ask you boys if we're getting promoted. We're getting promoted. Yeah, we said the two I'm, podcasts back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Tony, four wins guarantees us getting promoted. You can't see anything other than that, can you? Um, what, four wins or getting promoted? Four wins. <laughs> four wins. <laughs> I, I if you think... can see anything other than us getting promoted, please, you know. <laughs> no, no. We will um, get a doctor to you. I think we're quite capable of getting four wins. I think the hardest game out of that lot is the Charlton game. Mm. Um, it would be great to go the rest of the season unbeaten. Um, it's still a tough ask. Again, so we're, we're quite capable of doing it. Um, but I think out of that lot, I think probably three wins and a draw. I think we'll draw the game at Charlton. Um, I'm hoping that um, the Accrington game away is where we win the championship and we're able to stick two fingers up to Mr Coleman and his cohorts. I'm just going to ask you two, you're going to Accrington, yeah? Uh, Are you going to be putting any complaints about racist chanting while you're there? (laughs) I think uh, we'll have other things to um, (laughs) control our minds with that afternoon with a bit of luck. Um, No, because I would only make those accusations if it actually happens. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Now let's go through them all one by one then, as we um, so often do. James, we'll start with Saturday, Blackpool, potentially landmark day, as we could uh, break all club record uh, unbeaten run, go 28th game unbeaten. I suppose you could argue we owe Blackpool after two years ago. So um, what are you expecting? Victory. Um, I think think three wins does it, Uh, but obviously I want to see them... I would like to see them go the whole season now unbeaten. Uh, I think they deserve it. Uh, everything we've said about how positive the club and the town are, 
just wraps it up in a nice neat bow, doesn't it? If they if they go at the whole hog and go to the end of the season unbeaten, and I think they're fully capable of it. I think yeah, the, like you say, Tony, the, the the toughest game there is Charlton, but I, think I just see that they'll draw that and then march on. I think Saturday game, you know, we avoid defeat. We've set a new record, and I think we will do it but having said that there's this little annoying thing at the back of my head um, being a Luton fan far longer than you guys that this thing is whenever Luton can make ground on those around them and do things they let us down <laughs> I've experience of that However, they don't have to make any ground on any And this lot, are, no, exactly. Yeah. And this lot are just different, aren't they? Yeah. They they seem to take all of that and laugh in its face. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm, I would actually say uh, two or maybe three one on Saturday. Uh, you both echoed um, how you think the Charlton game will be uh, tough. Um, over 3,000 Luton fans going to that game. Sold out weeks ago. Going to be a fantastic atmosphere. Can't wait for it. A uh, game that follows, Accrington away. I can remember being there a few years ago. I was uh, nicely invited into the press box and we won 4-1. I think we won 2-0 there last season. Mm. sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong. Obviously, we thrashed them 4-1 at home. I didn't go to that one. I've never, ever enjoyed myself at Accrington. Are you going this year? Or are you going to yeah. sit and watch it on television? <laughs> I, I, I'll put, yeah, I don't know, probably go. I still think there's a little bit of needle there, isn't there? I think there's a lot of needle yeah, there, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, but I think our guys will be up for that. Yeah, I, I don't know who who would the needle be though, because the chairman, even though he's quite vociferous, held his hands up, didn't he? And it, it was it was um, Oatley and uh, her friend, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. But I think there was also needle prior to that, wasn't there? When that game that I mentioned, when I was in the press box, that we won four-one, and Coleman came out and said, you know, it was never a four-one game. We were the better team, blah blah blah. And that clearly irked Nathan Jones. And I, 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 I know, yeah. I, I know that them two were not fans. I strongly disagreed with that. Oh, well, no, I agreed with him actually. It wasn't a four-one game. No, it was, it was more like seven or eight. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's where it kind of all stemmed from. And then, of course, they won the league last year at our expense. And mm. and I think it's kind of come from there. And, and I think, as as you've both said, because of that, I think we'll go there and turn them over. But there was, there was all, I mean, with the game at home last season, there was still that little bit of need because of the quite blatant handball that everybody saw, apart from the officials. And then the way. Um, McConville, yeah. Yeah, the Scouse idiot uh, <laughs> celebrated in front of our bench. There, there was that bit of needle. I mean, Yeah, I think there'll be an underlying then. If yeah. there is, and if it is dying down ahead of the game, I'm sure Sky will find something to ramp up a little I, bit of needle. I, I think. <sighs> Sky are showing that game for a reason, though, aren't they? Oh, they, yeah, that's so they, they must they, think they that that's the day. I think go up there and be, be, Luton fans be as vociferous as you are for every other game, but essentially. Uh, you're, you're going to move on from um, Accrington. Yeah, we'll, there's no. We'll, we'll, I think the needle. If there's only going to be any needle, it's going to be mostly from Accrington because um, if, if they if feel aggrieved by nil, whatever. I'd, I'd be happy with that, but it would be nice to go up there and stop them. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. it would. Uh, following game, uh, if you believe in fate, in 2005 we won the league on St George's Day at Wrexham. We play Wimbledon at home on St George's Day this year. Could it be the day that we win the league? And they begin no, with No, we're going to win it on the Saturday <laughs> before. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I mean, 
there's pros and cons about whether you win it at home or away because uh, although Luton didn't win the league last year, if it went down to the final game of the season and they'd done it at Notts County, that would have been unbelievable. I mean, mm. but Notts County was unbelievable anyway. It was unbelievable. It? Can you imagine that atmosphere oh, yeah. being ten times better because there was a trophy being uh, carted around the pitch? Uh, so. I don't care where it happens, to be honest. I mean, if it happens away, then you've got a second party when it comes back home, haven't you? So, um, Absolutely. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, no Jay Jervis for Wimbledon in that game. Do. Sadly, yeah, let's be honest. <laughs> um, Joe Piggott will um, come back, which would be an interesting one. Uh, then we go to Burton. Mm-hmm. Decent enough side, but not not to the level that we're at. Well, they're, they're, I think there'd be nothing for them on that game. I think they'll be safe from relegation. They're not going to get in the playoffs. So, 1,750 Luton fans will no doubt pack that place out. And I dare say a few more in the home ends if uh, allowed. And then the crescendo to the season, Oxford at home. We already know it's going to be a fantastic afternoon stroke evening because that is a half past five kickoff for those that are not aware of it. Um, party, party. Well, it's been sold out for months, hasn't it? And I dare say, have, I, I dare yeah. say Power Court would have been sold out twice mm. over if we were there for that game. You know, we're going to celebrate hopefully we're celebrating the title by then I'm sure we will be I mean absolutely no doubt whatsoever that we're going to win the league I don't think anyone's as good as us even if the, if the players don't want to say it and quite rightly so that's fine but I'm more than happy to um, it's got to be a win hasn't it I, I know we made hard work of winning there needed a 98th minute pots gold but you know different situation this time around they'll probably be safe by then I know they're one of the 15 teams that could go down but I think they've got enough about them to stay up Depends if the, it depends if the title's in the bag by that point, doesn't it? I mean, you can. I think they'll have a little bit of an incentive. If I mean, if we're unbeaten at home, yeah, still they'll they'll, they'll want to be the team that'll do that, or you know, even end a, our unbeaten run. So, and it is somewhat of a local derby as well. So, I don't know. Stretch yeah, a bit. far enough, far <laughs> enough away to not be a local derby. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but you know, the, the media. Will, Spin yeah, it into that. Possibly. There's yeah. only there's only going to be Local-ish. one. Localish. Localish. I'm glad that that local derby rubbish that is going to be it's going to be out the window when Luke go in the championship, isn't it? Because there's no teams around that you can legitimately call that. No, if, a local if people derby. start calling Millwall local derby, then uh, they could still go down. They no. could. Yeah, no, absolutely, they could. Um, At least we might have a trip to Ipswich. <laughs> no, we definitely won't. But you know, obviously, Stoke will be on the horizon. That'd be mm. yeah, a nice one. Uh, just one question left, then. Really, Curtis Davies put a tweet out on Saturday urging the club to slow down so that his 98 points of 2005 stays intact. Does it stay intact? Right. We're 12 behind. It's 18 to play for. No, we pass that. Yep. Yeah, I'll go along with that as well. Yeah, I think so too. I think we take 16 points from these 18 and uh, end up with 102 points. Okay, that's the season done then, chaps. Um, But this week is, well, it's a bit of a landmark week for the club because on Friday it's 10 years to the day that you was quaffing posh sandwiches and everything else that Wembley has to offer. James and myself and Tony were in the Green Man pub getting shredded uh, as (laughs) the head of... um, Ahead of Luton taking on Scunthorpe in the um, Johnston Payne Trophy final. Obviously, we all know what happened. It was just a fantastic afternoon in a season that was one to forget largely. I'll start with you, James, because it was probably the biggest afternoon that you had reporting on the club. What were your memories of it? 
I remember Claude Nakka's goal because um, well, after McCann had scored the equaliser, you just thought, oh no, because it usually goes in finals. If somebody gets a late equaliser, it takes it into extra time. They're the team that goes on. Portsmouth. Sunderland didn't read that script. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and that's what I expected. So for that goal to come so early in the um, extra time and then for Loon to hold on uh, was wonderful. I do remember the other goals. I had to watch them back again. But they, Tommy Craddock's goal for the for the two one was an exceptional strike. I must admit, I preferred the first one myself. And just he the laid move, that on. Just yeah. the move yeah. was brilliant. Everything had to be perfect. Well, to be fair, all the goals, including Scunthorpe's, were good oh, goals. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Scunthorpe were a good side then. I mean, poor old Dean Brill didn't have a prayer with their second, did he? I mean, no. or their first for that matter. Like you say, went through. Pilkington's legs I think it was yeah. into the bottom corner you're right though Tony I mean Scunthorpe got promoted to the championship that season yeah. they, won, they won the Hooper playoffs went on to play for Celtic yeah mm. yeah Lansbury who's doing the rounds in the championships and he's if he's at Villa or Forest or somewhere along those lines and one or two others Waghorn was on that in that team it, I think he scored a hat-trick it, for it Derby was, at the it weekend it was so oh, good McCann played for them as well wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. As well. it was so good that Scunthorpe have got pictures of the day on the outside of their stadium have they really? Yeah. <laughs> I know how you enjoyed going to Glanford Park. I must admit, I, I, didn't, I, yeah, I, do, be- I didn't do a tour. I couldn't of it. believe that at all. I mean, mm. it wasn't a day, a good day for them to remember, was it? But no, it wasn't. For, for Luton, it was incredible. I, well, I think it was their first trip to Wembley, wasn't it? So maybe they remember it for that. Oh, is it? I'm really? sure I heard it and I remember hearing it in the lead up I, to the I, day. Actually, I remember. Like you saying, having a really great time in the, in the Green Man. Oh, it was just brilliant, was really wasn't brilliant. it? Brilliant, yeah. yeah. Is this before or after? Be, well, this is both, yeah. Uh, but definitely yeah. beforehand. Before. I think he ran out of beer. It was just <laughs> an amazing place um, to be for Luton fans. It's it, 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 so much so. I, I remember hearing a story that when um, we got knocked out in the semi-final of the uh, FA Trophy by Mansfield, that the... Um, the landlord of the Green Man was looking to take a contract out on the referee from that Matchfield game. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was great. It was a great day. It was a good game of football, highly enjoyable game of football, and, and it was a really, really good day out. But for me, the icing on the cake was the reaction when Mar Winnie came out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, you know, he was left in no, you know, he was that stupid grin on his face and. He was left with it, with no uncertainty about how we all felt about him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just on that, your memory's terrible, James. Me and Tony were in in amongst the forty thousand Luton fans and never really gauged that sort of picture of what it was, what the view, what the sight was like of forty thousand Luton fans at one side of. When we just give us a kind of impression of, orange, of it. it. Sea of orange, it, it was unbelievable, and that, you know, my abiding memories are later in the game, the extra time, and that sea of orange because I got to see it all from I was over in um, I guess what you'd call the main stand that's where the press benches are um, so to see that it the whole day for me was kind of just like it, it was just respite from that whole season the, the whole the whole cup run was that yeah, really, wasn't it? it it was it was what Luton could have done if they hadn't been so hampered by those points deductions because they 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 beat a team that was in a, um, a division above them. They played so well. The uh, the the front three, as it was, or the, the three players that scored, uh, played re- played really well. And um, I just 
it was just kind of this relief at the end of it that they'd done it and um, something good had come of that season. And I genuinely feel that if it wasn't, if if the name of the competition wasn't the Johnston Paint Trophy or whatever it's called, whatever, it doesn't matter who sponsors it because it's called what's the Checker Trade or whatever it is now, that cup final was one of the best cup finals certainly at the new Wembley but just generally it had everything um and it it probably it probably doesn't even make anyone's top tens because they'll all talk about FA Cups and stuff but it was a thrilling game of football mm. you know one team going ahead getting pegged back the lower team thinking they'd done it um, McCann scoring a screamer in the in the top corner and then uh, Napka coming on and making himself a hero. And I really I have a lot of time for Club Napka. I really liked him as a bloke and he just deserved that. He certainly he, he yeah, was what such you'd a good call player. an interesting character as well. <laughs> he was, he was. Fueled on his mum's soup. He's a good, he's a really good bloke. And it was just like, it just felt like the whole of Luton were there and the night was just a blur. Yeah. Well, actually, one of my first memories of that day was I got the train down uh, to West Hampstead took 20 minutes to get off the platform for all the Luton fans that were down there I mean luckily enough I got on the train early enough that you know I was on it before it was packed so I didn't really gauge just how many Luton fans were on it sort of thing but when you got off it I mean obviously there was still queuing from the trains that had gone before mm. and you know you, if you were looking for a bit of concrete on the platform you couldn't find mm. it it was just absolute awash with Luton fans it, you knew then it, well, ad, that's it, it, it exactly you knew and then it was going to be a magical the day. thing I, I, I want to say I think as, as well as that being a great game I think that was Kevin Nichols' best ever performance for Luton closely followed by Keith Keane he mm. had a great game as well but I thought Nico pulled us through that game on his own you know he, he just wouldn't give up and, and I'll never forget that image of him when the final whistle went he just never mind celebrating with his he college he ran fans, straight yeah. down the pitch to us to celebrate yeah. it was absolute because he, he knew how much it meant to us yeah, yeah. He, he was he was absolutely majestic that day um, in what was just a brilliant day not just well, in the club's history you know for us fans it was just wonderful and for Mick as well being able to um, manage having won um, the, the, the biggest um, the biggest uh, title of Luton's life <laughs> for want of a better word as a player and then coming back as a manager and steering them to it the same score line as well Um I was so happy for him at the time when he was going. He was, he did a little Eric Morecambe dance, wasn't he? And he, mm. he, he, he could see it meant so much to him. And then the hindsight of a week later when they went down, that was my worst ever moment covering any football ever. And the contrast was unbelievable. But just to bring it back around to this season, and I've said it, I've probably said it loads of times, I've probably bored people talking about it. It's going to be such a moment to see that full circle come round and, and Mick be able to yeah. lead Luton back to where they need to be want to be playing that kind of football it's just going to be total redemption and he, he just gets to he'll get to have that and savour that and then hopefully pass it on to the next man well when he tells me and Tony at the podcast that we did with him last week it will be the best day of his career mm. you know what you know what it means because this is a guy who's played for his country, won competitions as a player, as a manager, as a coach. And yeah, I'd like you. I can't wait for that day. Actually, speaking of Mick, 
after me and Tony recorded the podcast with him last week, we took another 10 minutes of his time and a little bit cheekily, and we asked him about the Johnston Paint Trophy final and everything that he remembers from it, and uh, here's what he had to say. Yeah, it was uh, it was the epitomised, is that the right word? Epitomised epitomised the season in terms of what had happened and where we were, and uh, I, ju- I just think in, in the in the... In that cup run, I just think it gives the players a little bit of freedom to go and play. We did have good players, give a bit of freedom, and we and we got to the cup final deservedly. Uh, and I, I never forget we left the hotel for the game, and we didn't have a police escort, and I didn't realise how many fans would be on the way down, and that, you know, and when we got stuck in traffic, so we had to, we had to ring up and get a police escort. So we knew what was coming, but to have forty thousand fans down there, that was it, it, it was just something else, and. So it was a, a real, real special day, and, and I thought on the day I thought we played really well, and some of the goals were fantastic goals, and uh, against a, against a good team, against Scunthorpe, who were, who were doing well in, in League One. So, uh, so overall, it was a, it was a real special day for the club, and, and especially for the fans. And I'll, I'll just hark back and say thank you for that support again, which you've, you've always given me, and you've always given the club. Yeah, Scunthorpe actually went on to win promotion to the Championship that season, didn't they, through the playoffs. There were five goals in that game and our goals and their goals were, were all fantastic goals. And ironically, you know, uh, the most recent home game, you came up against Grant McCann as a manager, whereas he was, you know, he scored the equaliser that day. Um, it's just weird how, how football works like that. But our first goal has always stuck in my memory from that day. You know, it was a fantastic team move, ended with Chrissy Martin putting it in. But it just epitomised the way Luton pl- have always played, the traditions that we've had. It was just a fantastic opening goal. It was a great goal, and I, re- I remember it vividly. The ball, the ball got played out to, to the left side, I think it was Tommy, and uh, he, he played a bat in the, in the, in the Chris, who well, mainly Chris was a, was a real good player on his day, and he was, a, he was, he was exceptional for us in the time he was here, and he, and he finished it unbelievably, yeah. And, and, uh, and it was a real cracking cup final and all that, you know, and... Uh, to be supported by all those all those fans, and I know it's it's and it was, ironically we were, we were very comfortable in the game, and uh, we gave typically of Luton to to give a, to give a goal away, and I think it was the 89th minute was it, and then, uh, a cracking goal from Grant, uh, he stuck it in the top corner, and you thought here we go again. Uh, but second half in the extra time, sorry, we, we managed it quite well. I think they had a man sent off in in extra time. They went down to ten men. They did. Yeah. I think he got stretched off, he didn't he? Yeah. Off, yeah, he got stretched off, so they were down to 10 men, and I thought, oh, this is quite comfortable. Then, then obviously, Claude got that wonder goal. Uh, I'm not sure he got it, I could have been an own goal <laughs> that one, but we'll give it to Claude now. And he, uh, he, we saw the game out comfortably, you know, so, so it, was a, it was a fantastic day, a brilliant day. When you sent Claude on, was he, <laughs> was he sent on to get a winning goal? Claude was sent on just to shore up a little bit, you know. I think we took Tommy off and we were winning two one and we, we just thought we'd shore up and just see the game out and obviously he popped up with that unbelievable goal. I mean I'm, I'm man enough to say that, yeah. And uh, Grant scored that unbelievable goal but Claude's Claude he could do he could do the unexpected, you know, and he, he turned up in a place where we didn't expect him to turn up and it was a it was a great finish, great run, powerful run and uh, he's uh, he's part of the history of the football club now, yeah, for that goal. He absolutely is. Another man who's part of the history of the football club who gave one of his best ever performances that day was Kevin Nichols, your captain on the on the afternoon. What an impact he made on the game. He was just fantastic. 
Yeah, Nico was a proper captain, you know, and he, he, he's a legendary captain of this football club and goes down under the same banners of, of all, the, all the captains, Brian Orton, Steve Foster, all, that, all those lads who captained the football club and he had a massive influence on that day, yeah. Uh, you know, we, we signed uh, Nico from, from Wigan when, when I was here with Joe the first time round and he's, he's been a real loyal, loyal servant of the football club and uh, no, he was brilliant on the day, as, as most of them were. And then you went up the steps to get the cup and uh, there's a famous image of you standing in front of the man who gave us the 30-point deduction, Mr Mulwini. Was you aware that he was right behind you when you uh, lifted the cup like that? Uh, to be honest with you, no, I wasn't. Uh, I mean, it was... You just it, it overtakes you when you when you in the emotions of of, of, of being in that position, uh, and no, I didn't I didn't realise he was there. I wish I had. I might have said something to him, but then I might have got in trouble. Okay, chaps. Let's just finish this episode uh, with a bit of trust business. First and foremost, Tony, uh, we can announce that the presentation evening at the end of this month, well, it sold out. Yes. Fantastic and so quick. Um, I, I, it, obviously, it, it, it's got a lot to do with what's gone on with the fact that we've done so well in the league this season and the uh, follow-on good feeling from getting planning permission for both developments. So it's fantastic. So unfortunately, if you haven't got a ticket, you've missed out and it will be an absolutely brilliant night. Indeed, if you have... Uh, a youngster yourself or you know of a young Luton fan who uh, would like to vote for their player of the season we need help getting the word out um, so if you have children nephews nieces or grandchildren who are Hatters fans and under the age of 16 we need your help to find the Luton supporters junior supporters sorry player of the season email the name of your chosen LTFC player to junior.potsvote at gmail.com along with the name age and contact details of the junior voter voting closes again at 11:59 p.m on sunday the 14th of april and you could win one adult and one junior ticket to this year's presentation evening and get to present the trophy on stage alternatively you could be the person who presents the trophy to the winning player on the pitch at the oxford home game the last game of the season you do however need to have a ticket for that match as it is obviously sold out more details to that are on our website, but it's always a popular award, Tony, and I know the players in particular enjoy winning that award because the youngsters vote for it. So uh, we urge as many young people to uh, to get involved as possible. Get voting. Absolutely. Um, and just one other thing on the presentation evening uh, keep an eye on all of our social media feeds afterwards we'll have all the reaction uh, to the winners of all the various awards on the evening and just to round off uh, a little bit of trust business before tony gives uh, a little round up of what we're what we're doing um there is going to be a magic day on uh, the thursday before easter uh, we are hosting that at the Eric Morecambe Suite. It is all for the Supporters Charity of the Year, NICU. Our board member, Colin Adamson, and his um, Crazy Colin's Magic Show will be there uh, on the Thursday afternoon. Uh, you can learn simple and fun magic tricks. You'll be able to get a free download of a magic trick video and a colouring in sheet for every child that turns up. A current Luton player as yet unnamed will be at the event, which is £5 per children. Uh, adults get in for free, although uh, 
donation to the charity would be welcome uh, if you want to. Tickets for that event are on sale on the online ticket office www.eticketing.co.uk forward slash Luton Town. And if you've got any further details about the event and you want to know anything else about it, uh, email shows at crazycolin.com. He's also um, on the Kenilworth Road forecourt this Saturday ahead of the Blackpool game uh, if you want to see him in action before uh, before the afternoon. But he's pretty good at what he does, Tony. In fact, he's very good at what he does and that'll be a fantastic event for the Littlands yeah. to attend. I'd just like to welcome everybody to the Colin Adamson podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But you know he it will be a wonderful afternoon yeah, down he, at the he, yeah, he does he, he, he does do a lot for the supporters Colin and uh, you know him and his mum have uh, worked very hard over the past um, couple of home games you know meeting up with uh, our opposition supporters trust to build bridges uh, so that we can work together and uh, you know uh, provide ideas for each other going forward how we can improve supporters uh, positions at clubs and let's be honest if it's not Matty Pearson that turns up to that event the club have got it all wrong what because magic, magic hat, hat. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that yeah. I, I was going to say Noir Noir well there could be that as <laughs> well he's magic but come on I mean you know if <laughs> you're listening you're saying Noir Noir runs like a rabbit <laughs> If you listen, hey? <laughs> no, that was magic. Hat. No, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> That's got over. If you're listening, Matty, it's got to be you. It just, it just has to be. Um, anything else to add on the trust, trust business, uh, Mr. Chairman? There's a, a fair few things going on behind the scenes, um, Kev. You know, um, at this precise moment in time, it's all full steam ahead for the uh, presentation evening, which is usually a good event. Um, you know, those that have got tickets for it know that um, the players and the management and uh, even the uh, members of 2020 that attend are fully approachable. You know, you can go and have a chat with them. They'll sign anything for you. You can have photographs taken with them. So it, it, it will be a really good event. Um, hopefully over um, the coming season, we'll be having a few more events to add to our calendar. But... Um, at the moment, we're just um, getting into party mode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just thank everyone for their support over the um, year so far. It's very much appreciated. Yeah, and uh, just to say that um, it's now a very good time to join the Trust um, with the way the club's moving forward with um, the new ground on the horizon. Um, join the Trust means you can become a shareholder in the club. And, um, you know, moving forward, it will help to, you know, give more power to the supporters and to increase the supporters' influence with the club. I mean, 2020 are very good. They consult us on everything. And as people are, are probably aware, we do have the image rights with the club and we're a shareholder of the club. But the more trust members we've got, the better it is. Um, so... 2020 Luton Town Football Club Mick Harford wants a strong trust we want a strong trust so join up come along get involved help us out there's always plenty to do indeed there is uh, chaps we've waffled on long enough for this month um, thanks for reminiscing about the JPT your player of the season thoughts your thoughts on everything actually uh, over the last hour and a bit and um, well let's just enjoy the rest of the party Oh yes, it's going to be a 
hell of a season into the season, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. We'll get as much of the reaction to what happens between now and the end of the season as it happens, and we'll release that uh, accordingly. We'll also be back with an end-of-season podcast, which will round up everything that's happened this season. We'll try and get as many thoughts from those involved as what we can do. But until then... Have you, have you noticed that since we started doing this podcast, Luton have become amazing? I mean, I'm not taking any credit for anything. <laughs> but, <laughs> so it's not Nathan Jones and Mick Arford, it's James, Kevin, Tony. Uh, well, I didn't say that, you did, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like that theory, James. <laughs> I, I In that it. case, then, chats, we best reconvene next season as well. But um, as I say, we'll be back with an end of season podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening again. And thanks for your feedback. Uh, if you do enjoy the podcast, please subscribe, share, like, tell your friends and spread the word. And we will be back sometime after the end of the season uh, to reflect on what's been a fantastic campaign. Cheerio, everyone. Goodbye. Come on, then.